don't know this, then you're behind the times. The only metric that matters is convenience. Rules apply to you. Suddenly you're an advertiser. This week on the Social Minds podcast. The content that you make and the partnerships that you create have to be digital first. We sat down with Luke Donovan King, who is the Director of Digital Marketing and Product at Guild Esports and previously of Chelsea Football Club and Frontier Developments, to talk about how social media has been instrumental to the rise of the esports industry into the mainstream and how brands can get involved. Yes, the esports world has exploded in popularity over the last several years, to the point where its biggest creators are now akin to rock stars. But where do the opportunities live for brands, and what role do organisations like Guild play? In our conversation with Luke, we discussed the amount of effort it takes to be a professional streamer, the true verdict on how receptive gamers are to brands, and how esports is outstripping TV shows for views and attention. Why would they want to buy something else that this person is, is trying to sell when their whole life they're watching someone for free on Twitch and they're playing a game that's free to play? All this and more, coming up. How can brands capitalize on the rise of esports to reach a new audience? Cool. No, yeah, thanks. Thanks very much for having me. It's great to be here. And um, yeah, it's a really interesting one because it's like we we speak about it a lot as a company in terms of not just what is the difference between esports audiences, but like how how can we approach them in a meaningful way? So I think the first thing to really understand is that these guys are almost the first truly digital native uh, audience. You know, they spend all of their time on Twitch, on social, consuming media in, in those sources rather than traditional media. And like, I think a really good example is news. They, they don't get their news from the BBC, from the Daily Mail, from whoever it is. They get their news from social influencers and that helps them form their opinion. And they have so much more trust in these people that if an influencer says this thing is happening, they'll believe that. And that's news to them. So I think for us, it's understanding that actually we have to do things in a in a completely different way. There's no space for big out of home advertising all the time because the kids aren't really going outside. They're, they're spending their time on their on the computer. They're playing games. And, and that's why you see the rise of out of home advertising in games, which I think is another really interesting space that's something, you know, to talk about. But I think the other angle is that unlike in traditional sports, these these fans feel much closer to the players and to the the content creators than they do in any other world like we said that the the players are streaming on twitch and and that the fans are able to interact with their players and they feel like they know them they feel like they're in their bedroom with them while they're streaming while they're practicing and training and then they go off of when their stream finishes they're on their discord talking to all the other fans and then when that finishes they go to bed they do a couple of tweets you know and, and it's that real community feel. And it's not like in, in sports where, yes, there's a community feel. Yes, it's big on social, but they don't get anything back in sports. Like how often do you get, you know, Azpilicueta tweeting you back to be like, oh, yeah, thanks for joining or, you know, that doesn't happen. But in esports, that happens all the time. And, and I think you have to understand that the content that you make and the partnerships that you create have to be digital first and have to be aligned with what they want. And I'm sure we'll come on to talk about like actually what do these these kids want? 
So, Luke, I mean, you spoke a little bit there about how esports fans use social, but I want to know specifically for brands who want to reach esports fans on social channels. For example, you've said before that they're not the most perceptive to adverts. So what can you tell us and anyone listening about their characteristics, their behavior preferences, and how they differ perhaps to other audiences online? Yeah, so I think Again, that's really interesting in terms of how us as Guild are trying to work with brands and, and elevate them into into that world because I think we have to understand esports fans know when they're being advertised to. Like they've grown up watching YouTube where everyone's got a VPN deal, everyone's got, you know, this sort of thing. And actually they switch off to it. And and I think, you know, there's only a few content creators that I've ever seen where the audience embraces them having branded sponsorship deals if you look at someone like jack mate you know we've just signed stevie white as a content creator for us he's the co-host of the happy hour podcast but jack mate's audience really embraces him having branded deals and i think they know that he has to make money and they know that that has to work but that is not the norm i think you see a lot of these guys when they have like an advert at the beginning of their video people commenting sell out i don't want this i don't want that so I think from an advertising perspective, you have to be authentic and you have to actually give something back to these these guys. You know, the younger fans and, and younger esports fans are not not entitled. That's not the right word, but they want something out of this relationship. You know, they feel they've invested a lot into the content creators, whether it's by watching their content, subscribing to them. So they want something back. So when it comes to a, a brand relationship, a discount code or something like that just isn't enough now because they they want something more out of it. And, and they think the idea is that they've helped this content creator get to where they are and they should be able to to do that. And then from, from the audience themselves, like we know they're really young. We know that they don't have the highest disposable income right now, but they will do in the future. And I, and I think the the gaming, the system report that um, that you guys published a couple of years ago shows this explicitly that they are people that are into gaming at a young age and hardcore gamers are more likely to go on to higher paid jobs they're more likely to go on to have more disposable income so what we're trying to do is get brands in to esports fans at a younger age build those relationships you know play the long game and actually that'll pay off and you know i think we'll come on to it in a little bit but we've just announced a multi-year deal with subway who have come on board to guild as our main partner and the whole point of that relationship is that they're going to influence these kids at a young age by giving something back, giving content back, giving opportunities back so that when these kids are older and they're making more decisions about what they want to eat or what they want to do, they're going to have such a positive perception of Subway that well, obviously that's where they're going to go. And I think that's what brands need to understand is it's not necessarily an immediate return with these guys, but you play the long game and, and, and it will pay off. Seems like a strategy of, uh, like you're saying, Luke, building real brand love there. Talking more about the best ways to sort of do that. So, so for a brand like Subway, is it the, sp- the spon- sort of sponsorship kind of content? Is it like, giving that level of access that's extra? Is it, you know, a, a different sort of approach to advertising in a way? Yeah, I think I think it's really important to say there's no, like there is no right or wrong, is there? Like what works for some brands is not going to work for others. But I think we keep coming back to that key of authenticity. Like as long as it feels right for both parties like the audience and the brand itself there's going to be a much better um sort of stickiness with that relationship i love what you said there about brand love like we talk about brand loyalty a lot 
but it's not just loyalty it is that love and it's that getting under the skin of that relationship so that it's a, an automatic decision for anything in the future like you look at car brands getting involved in esports sponsorship we, we talk a lot about that Louis Vuitton deal with Riot Games for League of Legends a few years ago you know Louis Vuitton are not expecting any of these kids to go out and buy a backpack or a handbag because they know they've not got the money right mm. but what they know is that They've given something back to to the esports fans. They've provided in-game content. They've provided some exclusive content. That's a really cool relationship to build at a younger age. So when those kids that go on to then have more disposable income and want to make a, you know, make a choice between a luxury brand, Louis Vuitton is going to be the one that sticks out in their mind because when they were younger, they offered something really cool to them. And I think like you know what what we're trying to do is is get away from the fact that. You don't have to just do advertising in the first 10 seconds of a video. You don't just have to do that. And I think it's like if you're a brand getting involved in a content creator, it's 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 helping them to create content that they would otherwise not be able to make. Like, you know, a lot of the let's say on YouTube, for example, those branded deals that are really, really cool are the ones where you've got a sponsor that's provided some funding and some, you know, some opportunity for this content creator to make something that they would never have been able to make before, mm-hmm. whether it is um, traveling, whether it is through products. And then that's when an audience realizes that actually this is good for them because they're, they're content creators, their love that has been able to be elevated by this brand partnership, which they wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. And, you know, like I think there's always fads, isn't there? There's always some brands that will sponsor, you know, let's say whether it's VPN, let's say whether it's Manscaped, something like that. They'll go out and, and flood the market and and that does work, you know, and that is something that, that you can see some immediate return on. But I would argue that's only immediate return. And and then it's up to the you know internal marketing teams to be able to build that brand loyalty themselves. But if you play the long game. Yeah, over a longer period of time. Yeah, exactly. But if you play the long game with those content creators, it will pay off in the future. And and I think, you know, like I said, traditional advertising just doesn't really work with the, the esports fans. Like what what we've done is any brand that we've partnered with we've made sure that there is an exclusive incentive to our fans that other people wouldn't necessarily be able to get. Because I think, you know, like if you look at a discount code or something like that, if it's exclusive to that audience and it's tailored to your audience, they are going to be more receptive than a, than a, than a generic one. But, but yeah, I think the key is being able to elevate that content creator to make something that they wouldn't have had the opportunity to otherwise. So Luke, I mean, you spoke a little bit about the role of traditional advertising there but obviously social media has been quite important I think to the growth of the esports industry how have you seen that especially over the last few years well I think it's it's the access isn't it like how many young football fans are going to be watching Korean Premier League football on a daily basis like not many but Korean League of Legends is going to be top of of Twitch for League of Legends that weekend and people from all around the world are going to be watching it you know all social media influencers are going to be talking about that. And I think that access that you get to everything around the world is is incredible. And I think from a from a brand perspective, you partnering with someone doesn't just give you access to that one market. It gives you access to everything. Like front of shirt sponsorship on a on a football team, you know, will give you a certain level of access. But in esports it's all around the world. And then social media has been able to really cut that gap or provide better access let's say like everything is real time everyone's updating on everything and everyone can interact with everyone you know you've got the commentators that are commentating on the league of legends matches that are also 
um, talking on Twitter at the same time. People are interacting, getting involved in the broadcast. You know, like I said, if you're watching a Premier League game, how often is a comment that you make going to be picked up by the commentators? Never. Never. <laughs> but, but, but with social, you can make a comment that the guys start talking about on air and you feel like, wow, I really know what I'm talking about. And, yeah. and I think it's just that reward. Social gives so much reward to all of not just the fans, but also the influencers to be able to interact with their audience and get real time feedback. You know, it does come with its negatives that people know immediately when something's gone wrong. And like when you've done something that your audience doesn't like, you're going to be told straight away and mm. there's no hiding from it. And I think that is the risk reward. And that's something that, you know, we're working on with our content creators to be able to mitigate that. You know, we've, we've signed, uh, Jean Nelly, who is a, um, you know, a really cool content creator and she's, she's incredible. And actually, you know, what she's opened our eyes to is, is the actual impact of, of what goes on on a daily basis on social with these guys, like the negative comments they get, you know, and, and we see it a lot in mainstream press when it comes to sports stars. And I think that's because it's so alien to their world. Like with content creators, you expect, well, obviously you're going to get that you're on social, but that doesn't mean it's okay. So, you know, we're working with her to sort of build a program that helps educate, but also, you know, helps our young athletes understand that social has its benefits, but social also doesn't. You know, if you look at any of our players that, that tweet out, you've got the vast majority are so supportive, getting involved. Everyone's got their own memes. Everyone engages and those players feel amazing. But you also have people that are, are going to be horrible to them. And that's what you get on social at the moment. And that's something that, you know, yeah. I think it's I think it's really important that you guys are taking the time to teach that to them though, especially if you're sort of taking it upon yourselves to train up this talent. It you should get, you know, both the good side and the bad side. I think if more creators had that support, when most of them just start out on their own. I think if, if most creators had that support, you know, we wouldn't see some of the issues that we see. But um I wanna talk a little bit more, Luke, about Guild Esports approach to creator collaborations. Because when we last spoke, you talked about how you've brought some of them in house to create and not just promote things. So I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about how that works and why you decided to take that approach. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, like you said, I think influencers have for for many years been almost like that dirty little secret for brands. Like they're going to pay them some money, they're going to promote it, but we don't have to worry about it. You know, I've been at, at many places where we've used influencers successfully and it's been really great for us, like promoting new products, promoting new video games that we're working on but also ones that haven't. And I think that's that's what you get with a, a scattergun influencer approach. You know, you're going to get some that work really well and some that don't. Um, but with the content creators, what, what we're able to do is provide that sort of 360 relationship with them and build an in-house team where it feels like it's, it's not just a long-term relationship, but we're, we're providing a multi-year partnership with these content creators. And to, to your point about the negative attitudes on social, you know, Grant, our, our esports director, has been fundamental in bringing on sports psychologists to work with the players. But that's something that we're going to roll out to the content creators as well, you know, help them with their mental approach to these things. And that's a support that they wouldn't get if they were working on an influencer basis with someone because that brand doesn't really care. They get their their return on investment. That's cool. On to the next one. You know, they might use the same content creator on a multi-brand, you know, on a multi-level um, approach where they're doing lots of stuff over the, the course of a year, but it's not as intrinsic sort of relationship as what we're trying to do. And, and what we're trying to do is 
let's say with a smaller content creator. So Stevie White is a really good example. You know, he's got one of the biggest podcasts in, in England and, you know, one of the biggest in the world, the Happy Hour podcast. But he really wanted to get into streaming and streaming Rocket League and things like that. So so we've brought him on as a, an in-house content creator and actually helped him with his first stream and get him set up. You know, he had thousands of people that tuned into his first stream and he's pulling in over 500 sort of viewers every time he streams now. And and for him, we've given him that platform to move on to the next level and succeed, but also with the larger content creators that we've signed. So for example, you know, Gene Nelly being an example, we, we want to give them the platform to move on to the next level and actually what is the thing that they care about and how can we help with that? And obviously, you know, it helps us because their fans, we would like to think, start to become fans of ours, get involved in the esports, get involved in, you know, the, the cool merch that we're making and, and hope that they like it. But also our fans become fans of theirs and, and it becomes a real community. We want to give those big content creators opportunities, whether it's, you know, merchandise, creating exclusive merchandise that they wouldn't have access to before or, you know, content production capabilities. We at Guild produced, I think, some of the coolest content you'll see. I don't know if you've seen, like, you can check out some of the announcements that we did, but the Subway announcement video being one. Such high production value. And, and you know, Danny, who's our uh, creative director, has some really cool concepts and they're always really interesting but that's something that these content creators wouldn't have access to is this sort of um, facility to do that so it's not all take from us we want to develop them because in developing them it will help us as a as a company as well and you know if we can convert some of them to esports fans some of them to be our fashion fans you know it's worked for everyone yeah, no, definitely. What What's the impact on content when that happens? And you've got, you know, you're not sending out pictures of things to promote to influencers in like different cities, but you've actually got someone in the room who's helping to shape the, the creative. Yeah, it's, it's a full, like I said, it's a full collaborative approach. And it's like, what, what we don't want to do is change that content creator, right? There's no point bringing someone in house and us going, okay, you now have to make this type of content because that is not authentic. And we, we talked about authenticity quite a lot, but that is what it's got to be. It's got to be an authentic relationship. So, so with us, it's not, it's not just shaping what they're doing it's giving them the tools to be better and it's working with them to understand what do they want to do like what's really important to them is it you know the content they're making is it charitable endeavors is it you know having the opportunity to attend events and actually do all of that sort of stuff once we know what they really want to achieve we can work together on that and you know we're we're looking at working with different people all around the world to provide authentic uh, relationships to local markets so for example like we're not going to be pushing out our content in different territories in europe just because it's the easiest thing to do we're going to look to partner with local content creators local people to create content in their language for their audience and actually develop those guys and and hopefully you know build an army of fans all around the world but but doing it in a in a you know in a clever way hopefully Mm, I think it's such an interesting model. Luke, what to ask about your approach to data and how you use data to identify the right people to work with and what kind of benchmarks you look at? Because people often ask us about, you know, what's the most important thing to look at nowadays with creators? Is it engagement rate? Is it this? Is it something else? So just interested to know your approach. Yeah, no, definitely. I think from from the outset, there are there are always people that we know that we would like to work with in terms of their personality and their brand fit. And 
and you just know sometimes like you know that they're going to be great for us and, and whether their metrics are right or not we can help them there but when it comes to identifying the talent of the future we use a couple of different tools that will allow us to see growth and and i think for us there's there's a fine balance between uh, audience growth and kpi management so uh, sorry, not kpi management like uh, engagement rates so we want to make sure that they're not just growing without engagement and they're not just engaged without growth because they need to be the full package when it comes to the newer um, content creators so what we do is we sort of assess their growth level over the previous three months are they consistent are they actually putting the work in as well because to be successful as a content creator you need to work really hard and i think people don't understand you know the the effort that it requires to actually become a really successful streamer because if you look at the difference between youtube and 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 twitch for example you know youtube is a lot of behind the scenes work to pay off for one video and but people almost understand the, you know how content production works and, and the effort that goes in but with twitch these guys are streaming for hours a day and and usually they've got another job and they're doing this like for example so marcus who we signed uh, a couple of weeks ago is a really cool valiant uh, valorant streamer um but he had a job he was working as a waiter streaming in the evenings you know doing like 15 hour days not not being asleep for very long but his growth skyrocketed and that's where we sort of identified him that he was growing really good really multicultural audience and actually a really high engagement in his chat and that's where we worked together and he's now come on board but you can't take away from the fact that he had a full-time job and was streaming in the evenings and still had to find sleep at some point and that's that dedication that is so great to see and by you know giving these guys an opportunity to join the team it allows them to focus full time on on their endeavors and i think for us Data helps us form the, the basis of our identification process. So we have a couple of tools that give us a list of, you know, here are some people that have grown really well in certain markets playing games that we want to, to move into. But from there, it's all about fit and it's all about personality. Are they the right people for us? So, you know, data takes us so far, but we've got a guy, Liam Davis, in our team who manages this content creator program. And he's got such a great eye for it, but such a good way for understanding these content creators and and i think like i said we use data up to a point and then it's all about the people you're listening to the social minds podcast with luke donovan king from guild esports already in this episode we've spoken about what sets esports fans apart from other consumers their age and why streaming and social media allows fans to feel much closer to the players than they would if we were talking about traditional sports later on in this podcast we'll go on to talk about using data to identify content creators the long-term opportunities for brands and the work being done behind the scenes to educate those brands. With brands as well, Luke, do you still feel, you know, is, is the understanding of the esports market becoming greater or there's still some brands that sort of think, oh, you know, we just reach gamers like this. This is just gaming. It's all part of the same thing because esports is definitely, you know, as you'll attest to it, it's another world, isn't it, compared to your casual gaming? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think what what we've done as a company is also build up uh, a really good, I would say really good because I work there, but, you know, like a really good um, employee base that has that experience of traditional gaming and sports because you're right, it's not gaming. There's nothing that we're trying to necessarily sell apart from merchandise. You know, we're not trying to sell you a game. 
and we're not trying to sell you something like that. And in gaming, it's a lot more simple when you're working with the creators because you just want to sell your product via them. Whereas us, we want to sell them us as a brand, like us as Guild. We want them to become fans as they would Chelsea Football Club or something like that and then follow us in, in that respect. And I think that's what's different about that audience type is they're not necessarily looking for anything to buy, but they're looking for something to buy into, like an ideology. And and I think when it comes to what these guys consume is they play a lot of games that are actually free to play. So League of Legends, Valorant, all of these games, there's no barrier to entry for them. So they're not even used to buying video games that are traditional esports games. Mm. So, so for them... Why would they want to buy something else that this person is, is trying to sell when their whole life they're watching someone for free on Twitch and they're playing a game that's free to play? That is interesting. Do you think that's why they're not very receptive to adverts and brands presence? And you know, you've, you mentioned before we have to be quite like, I mean, as, as most brands should be, I think, but more so than usual, just really like giving them as much as you can, as you said. Do you think that's one of the reasons why? Yeah, I think so. And I think it's like, They've grown up with everything, you know, for free and access for them. So they've grown up with the ability to, like I said, watch their favorite content creators for free. There's no barrier to entry there. They've been able to play all the games that they want to for free. And, you know, some of them they've had to pay for. But this takes the reliance off of that middle generation between the sort of millennials and Gen Z where they still have to ask their parents for money for things and they still have to do that sort of you know oh can i do this can i watch this because maybe you'd have like i remember growing up you know you've only got one telly in the house and you want to watch something your mum wants to watch something you're not going to win are you so but but these kids they've got uh, a pc a playstation a tablet they can consume everything they want whenever they want so for them there has to be that added value for otherwise why would they be interested and 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 it is a different mindset like you say because i think traditional advertising you say oh i'm gonna you know give them that of course they'll want that that'll be great but that's not the case with with esports fans that it it need to make more of an effort but their brand loyalty and i love what you said earlier their brand love is so much deeper than than other audiences that i've engaged with they're not as likely to, to drop someone or, you know, I'm going to use this brand this week and this brand another week. You know, we, we, we're partnered with um, HyperX as one of our apparel sponsors and uh, not apparel, peripheral sponsors. And all of a sudden you see all these fans of ours that want to buy that sort of thing because that's what their players use. And, you know, like the player, you know, we've got players that have just won the Fortnite European Championship Series and people want to be like them and will identify that brand and they won't leave, you know, they'll they'll use those products for life now because they've they've seen that their favourite person has just won a championship using them. That's interesting. I'm glad you said that because I was, you know, wondering for, for any brands listening that esports market perhaps is more high maintenance than some brands like would be used to, but then it's like, what's in it for them? And you're saying you've seen this audience really stick with brands for life if they've done their job right. Yeah, it's the it's the the payoff is the long-term payoff and i think you really have to buy into what you're going to get out of it so i think you know we touched on it earlier but subway have come on board with us as our main partner for sort of two years and they, they've partnered with us because it's not just the immediate payoff they get you know these kids going to buy more subways tomorrow that that's not what they're expecting but what they're expecting is this brand love and loyalty to develop over time and you know subway are partnering with us not just on content not just on front of shirt sponsorship like traditional clubs but you know we've got things that are like our academy that's launching soon and you know if if 
if kids get the opportunity to take that next step in esports or anything around esports because of a subway uh, promotion or a, a subway partnership on on an academy piece or a subway partnership on a content piece, you know, they're going to remember that all of the time. And I think for us, it's like, you know, how can we elevate our products using the brands to give these kids better opportunities? And, and you know, that's what we're looking for with our academy. And, you know, we'll be launching that very soon. And it's not just about giving kids the chance to be the next best esports athlete because, you know, what's that 0.01% or something? It's the same as football. But what we're trying to do is then give them the opportunity to succeed in life. Like one thing that I think is really cool at the moment is this year of working from home and this year of being schooled from home talking to a camera and talking to a screen has become second nature to everyone. And that is just streaming. Like what we're doing now could be the same as if we were live on Twitch. So these kids are now used to that and they're used to how that sort of thing works and everyone wants to get into it. So as part of our academy, we want to make sure that kids can learn other things as well, not just gaming, but life skills, how they can use this sort of experience if they wanted to get a job, like how important it is to be able to do that. Because we've all been in, in calls and maybe this is an example where people's tech doesn't work and <laughs> things go wrong. And yeah. so you have to be able to adapt and, and, and overcome. And like I said, if if we partner with a brand, for example, that provides these kids with an opportunity to get into casting or or streaming, well, they're going to love that brand forever because they've given them the chance to succeed. Luke, a final question to end on for you. I really want to know, and I don't want to say at what point does it blow up because esports is already massive and I know that esports gamers are like, you know, the rock stars of their vertical in a way. But at what point do you think that we get to that point where it explodes to a point that we've seen with football and the sponsorship of football where it's not just the apparel brands and the tech brands and massive brands like Subway who get involved, but it's everybody else. It's the insurers, it's the e-payments brands. Yeah, I think it's there's, there's a big education piece because, you know, brands don't still probably don't understand what, what's happening. I think there is a, a piece that needs to be done with other esports teams. Like we got some amazing esports teams in the UK and in Europe who do things the right way, but there's a lot that don't. And I think a lot of there's also a lot of sort of charlatans that work in the esports world on you see them on LinkedIn, you see them there that are experts that you know, don't have that experience and brands get burnt really easily with esports. And I think the the initial experience with esports has been that is that the the first to market brands haven't seen what they wanted because they've worked with people maybe without the experience or maybe just trying to make some quick money for themselves. And actually it's it's so different now in that it's all regulated. You know, the European League of Legends, for example, is a franchise league where you have to be an established, you know, company with a franchise to get in. And, and that's long term, you know, long term deals, long term relationships. Whereas the start of esports, you know, a brand would be in the League of Legends one one month and then they would fold and then another one would come in and there was no longevity with that. And I think that was a problem is that, you know, there was no security. But also, I think you have to understand that it is bigger than people think and and it's okay that it doesn't transcend to an older you know an older audience because it doesn't have to to be successful because these younger people are going to get older and it's going to be the right thing like you know we competed in um, the rocket league major a couple of weeks ago there was over 110,000 people watching on twitch at that point you know that that's more than a lot of tv shows get that's more than you know and that's and that's people watching and interacting in real time so to say that that's not successful is 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 not correct but 
just because it's not successful with an older audience who may be other decision makers in this, you know, in, in partnerships divisions, in, in sponsorships divisions, it's just an education piece. And I think that's what, what we're trying to do. We've, you know, Michelle, who's our director of, of partnership, she is incredible. She's one of the best people I've ever worked with. And she is working to educate these brands on what actually esports is now and what we are as a brand now. Because, like I said, the early experiences of esports haven't been great. I think if you remember, like years ago, the early brands experiences with influencers wasn't great. And it took a while to come back round to people going, actually, no, influencers are the right. Yeah, no, definitely. Know. Same with social media as well. I think it's the same when anything relatively new hops on the scene. There's always you know, a few people who make certain mistakes and, you know, that's how you expose things that you have to fix when something's growing naturally. Massively. I mean, I agree with that sentiment. And I think as we've covered throughout the, I mean, the esports world, it is a fascinating world. It's a growing world. It's already massive, but it's definitely, you know, coming back to that point that you were saying, Luke, to round it off about authenticity, that is really the case in point here as well. All that, well, I'll say at that point, thank you ever so much for joining us, Luke. And it was, like I say, a fascinating discussion, loads for our audience to take away and can't wait to see everything Guild going on in the future. Yeah, no, thank you for having me and yeah, hope to speak again soon, guys. Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please remember to leave us a review on iTunes because it really, really helps and allows us to bring you brand new episodes every single week. This has been the Social Minds Podcast with myself, Theo Watts, Eve Young and produced by Ollie Thompson.